Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that our lives are in your hands. We entrust you with our lives. We are grateful that you have made us beautiful. Father, sometimes we don't think of ourselves in that way, but we have to open up our Bibles to be reminded that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you care about each one of us deeply. You are our Father. You choose to have a relationship with us. You want to be connected to us. You hate being when there's separation between us. Uh, your depth of love is astounding to us. And Father, we don't want to lean on our own understanding. And forgive us when we do. We are sheep and we often go astray. And I pray this morning that we can be inspired just by you, Father, that these songs, the lyrics of these songs can minister to us, that just the act of singing something that uh, so often we may do during the week, but sometimes not focused on you, Father, and your Son, and your Spirit, and what you are doing and have done in this world. And So I just pray this morning as we gather together that we can be humble, that we can have peace that we can be moved and motivated to draw closer to you, the one who made us. And we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. We are going to continue studying our Bibles. Is that all right with you guys this morning? Amen. I'm going to apologize in advance. I've made a grievous error. All right. Are you ready? I know already this, this sermon is, is probably like two sermons, all right? So I'm breaking one of the rules of preaching. So Doug Jacoby's going to send me a long email, probably 10 minutes after the service, but that's okay. Amen. I'm just going to roll with it because this is what I've been studying. And uh, I feel like, you know, the Lord is just going to have to use whatever comes out of my mouth this morning. But uh, it, it might be enough for a couple of sermons, but these are some of the things that I've been wrestling with uh, as I've been reading uh, Luke's gospel. Uh, there's a book many of us are reading, Disciple Shift, just talking about how we need to kind of shift our thinking about really what it means to follow Jesus. And we're really, I think, always needing to respond to the scriptures in a, in a way that is fresh. Uh, so that our walk with Jesus will not become too mundane, a little stale. We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, all that kind of stuff. We don't want to be that type of Christian. But man, it's hard. It's hard sometimes to keep it fresh. And some of you are visiting. You're new to the scriptures. Like, man, I'm still learning. This is great. I, I'm learning how to follow Jesus. And it's cool because in a group like this, there's just all types of folks. And so the message is uh, come and see, go and tell, and treat all people well. There you go. So that's what we're talking about today. We are going to dive in and we're going to start out what is this whole come and see? What am, I, what am I talking about there? And what I'm talking about is the concept of the Old Testament people that God called. And He called His people uh, in the Old Testament to be a light to the nations. Uh, to really, he drew them out of Egypt, brought them to, to a place where they were a nation, gave them teaching. And I want to remind you of a passage that hopefully you remember uh, from Exodus chapter 19. You remember that book of Exodus? We read it for a few months. See, I haven't let go of it. Amen. All right. It's still in the Bible. It's amazing. 
you can still go to it and actually glean things from it, right? But here's a moment in, in Exodus. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself, which is a beautiful word picture. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy set-apart nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And this was God kind of speaking to Moses. Isn't this beautiful? I mean, this is what God's heart was for, for his people, to, to bring them to himself. Uh, but, but, but why? Why bring them to himself so they could understand who he was? But why? Just so that they could live great lives and just keep it to themselves? Well, no, he wanted the, all the nations to really understand who he was and, and to see the way they lived, that these people chose to live the way God called them to live. And it was so different than the other nations that literally it would be like a, a, a blinding light and people would, would want to see. They would want to come and see what is going on with this people. What is this God? This group of people that only worships one God? That was unheard of. But in this concept of come and see, I, I ran across this, this uh, quote, and it said, God's old covenant people are never exhorted to engage in intentional cross-cultural mission. Their mission light shines by attraction and not by active invitation. What is this saying? Basically, it's saying God was in, he cared about the world. He cared. He wanted, he wanted to do something about the world, but his method was to take a people and to fashion them and to mold them, to make a covenant with them, to hopefully have relationship with them and bear the fruit of that relationship of people that were so unique in the world that the world would take notice. That was God's plan. It, he had a plan. But in that old covenant, it was more of a, hey, come and see what God has done with this group of people. Isn't it amazing who God is? It wasn't really a, hey, guys, I want you to go out into the whole world and, and teach them this message. That really wasn't the tenor of the old covenant. It wasn't really what it was really all about. Yes, there were aspects of that. Yes, he sent Jonah to preach at times, but overall, it was more of a, I'm going to fashion you and teach you to obey, and then you're going to change. It's going to be amazing what you can do. But the problem was, he just couldn't get those folks to obey very long. I mean, my goodness. Have you picked up the Bible in a while? Wow. And when you read the Old Testament, it's a story that ends, it's not pretty. It's not a little Disney ending where everything ends great, where the people at the end of the Old Testament go, we, God, we're so sorry. We have just messed up. You're amazing. I mean, all those centuries of just messing up, we blew it. Please forgive us. That's not the way it ends. The old covenant ends, it's a, it's a cliffhanger. It's like God's tried all he can do. He's pulled them out on eagle's wings. He's given them the love. He's taught them everything he can teach them, and they still rebel. Then he sends prophets. Hey, guys, turn back to God, turn back to God. They kill some of the prophets, for crying out loud. He has kings. Kings teach them. You, you need to read the Bible for your own self. You need to write it out in your own words. Please do it. Then some of the kings start leading the whole nation to worship other gods. Oh, my goodness. It is a nightmare. It's a mess. 
And that's how really the Old Testament kind of ends. Like, I hope this thing will work itself out. There's a promised Savior, but man, where is he? Where is he? But that old covenant was more of a, a come and see what God is doing. But God's people just would not, would not obey. Unlike those of us at North River who are perfectly obedient. <laughs> Amen. Because, so now we get to the new covenant. And I think the new covenant is more of a go and tell. A go and tell. Now I'm going to read a scripture here that you've never read before if you've been a member of this church. So this is new. Are you ready? Clear your mind. Be ready to be, have your mind blown by this passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Have you seen this passage? You did not know it was coming, did you? What is, this, what is this referred to as? The Great Commission, right? That's what it's referred to as. And it's got all the good stuff in it. It's just hard to beat that one, isn't it? I mean, my goodness. Talks about the authority of Jesus. That's why, hey, if he's got the authority, he can tell you what to do, right? And the word he says, two letters, but it means a lot. Go, right? Make disciples of all the nations, right? All the people groups, doesn't matter who they are. Make disciples. Teach them how to follow me, right? You baptize them, amen, right? Don't just baptize them and leave. Teach them how to obey all the things I've commanded you. And guess what? You don't have to lean on your own understanding forever. I'm gonna be with you till the end of the age. Wow, this is a, this is a perpetual thing, right? This isn't just for the apostles and only you, only you 11 at the time that were listening to them. These, this is only for you. Hello, if they do this, that's why we're here, right? Because people kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. This is beautiful, the Great Commission. The issue is every gospel has a, a, a type of commission, okay? Every single gospel has a type of go and tell moment that Jesus, that Jesus gives. Now, the gospel of Mark, if you notice, I have a little asterisk up there, okay? And you, in your Bibles, it might even say that some copies of old manuscripts don't have this part, okay? So, so some do, some don't, which to me, is, it, it gives me actual peace with the Bible, okay? Some people go, see, that shows that there's something wrong with the Bible. No, they're not trying to hide something. They're telling you straight up, some manuscripts have this, some don't, here it is, amen. Make your, you figure it out, all right? I love that about the Bible. It, it tells you where there are variants, it's not trying to hide anything, which is awesome. I love that. And so this may or may not necessarily have been in the original. We don't know for sure. But let's just, that, that's a pretty good go and tell. You, you know, go into the world, all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes in baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Seems in line with other teachings, right? So we'll say, and eh, that's asterisk. We don't know for sure. But at least in Mark's gospel, there's a concept that God, that Jesus expected uh, the word to be preached. Because in Mark 13, he says that, you know, the gospel must first be preached to all nations. So this is a go and tell in Mark. We've seen it in Matthew. We've seen it in Mark. How about Luke? We see it in Luke. Once again, Jesus says, hey, everything's got to be fulfilled that's written about me. Right? In verse 47, he starts talking about uh, the forgiveness of sins and repentance will be preached to all nations. Sound familiar, right? 
And in verse 48, you're witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Luke wrote Acts, even though this isn't a gospel, but it is a commission. Luke, Acts chapter 1, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Matthew 28 isn't the only commission in the Bible. There's a lot of go and tell moments. You will be my witnesses. How many of us use that word witness in 2018? We only use it usually in kind of like a courtroom kind of setting, right? You know, you, you make fun of the old preachers in the old school, right? Can I get a witness, right? Right, I like that. Come up here sweating, right, you know? Fired up, I like, I sweat a lot, but whatever. Um, but what does that word witness really mean, right? The, the, and here's the root word. Do you notice where that root word, that top, where we, we, get a, we get a certain word that we use today's language, martyr, right? But that has a deep connotation. Oh, a martyr is somebody that's been killed for their faith. Well, that's in this concept. That's in, that, that's in that word. I'm not shying away from that. That's where we get this word, okay? To be a witness was really to be, you have information or knowledge of something, okay? And, and you are trying to bring something to light. You're trying to confirm something. But you've been sent out to witness to what, who Jesus is and what he's done. And, and, and when you do that, in certain situations, it may cost you your life. And it costs some people their lives. We just read about Matthew, Mark, Luke. You know, these, these guys, many of them were martyred. They were martyred. So, so they gave their lives because they had information or knowledge of Jesus and they went into societies and they talked about who Jesus was and what he did. And oftentimes people did not appreciate that message and took their lives and we get the word martyr from this word witness. So can, can Jesus get a witness up in here? Right? Is that the type of faith that we really have? Willing to give up our lives if it came down to it. And I, and I do think we're so comfortable in our society that it's hard for us to wrap our, our brain around that. It's really, it's really hard for us to wrap our brain around the information that we have about Jesus if we just simply go out and talk about what he has done. Not about North River, not about who you are. No, about who God is, what he did through Jesus. Just be a witness to it. Let me just, let me just tell you what I saw, what I've seen God do. Would you be willing to give your life up for that? Can Jesus get a witness up in here? But Jeff, what about John's gospel? John has, he's a unique gospel. His, it, they give it a whole different category. But he does have this moment. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is the commission in, Jesus, in John's gospel, the form of a commission to, to send, to be sent out. And hopefully we can be grateful that just as Jesus was sent, we, are to, we too are sent. But here's our challenge. Isn't it hard though? It's hard sometimes to accept what following Jesus is going to mean when we are sent out by Jesus. And, and I'm going to read another passage that some of us are familiar with, but I was reading Luke's gospel again in the comfort of my home, drinking my coffee, 
whoo, and I read this passage and I said, man, what if, what if this were me? Luke chapter 9. Who am I in this thing? As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, man, I will follow you wherever you go, man. I done seen the miracles. You are a good preacher. This is fun, all these people. This is great. I want to, I'll go wherever you go, bro. I got you, man. Jesus said, well, you know what? Foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And I think maybe this first guy thought maybe there was something maybe glamorous about following Jesus. I don't know. We don't know exactly his motives, right? And notice that Jesus didn't tell him, no, you, you're not allowed to follow me. He didn't say that. But he did kind of give him the real. Let me help you, let me help you out, man. It's not going to be glamorous every minute following me. And Jesus isn't saying that he's destitute, homeless, and penniless type thing. Because the, the Gospels tell us that there were people with means that supported his ministry. If Jesus really wanted to go spend the night in an inn somewhere, somebody was going to foot the bill, if you know what I'm saying. Do you, do you understand? So Jesus is not saying, I'm just homeless and penniless and I got nothing. And what he's saying is, this is not always glamorous. You need to think about that. And if you're going to go with me, you're going to choose to be uncomfortable at times. It's, it's got to be your choice. So let me just help you. Again, whoo, that's a high calling, right? He said to another man, follow me. Now, this is unique, right? Because the first guy came up to Jesus. Man, I'll follow you, right? But this time, Jesus rose up to him. Hey, man, Harrison, come on, follow me, right? But who, he did that with Levi, the tax collector. And Levi was like, sure, I'll go. But this guy says, well, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Mm. Well, how do you feel about that? What should Jesus say? Absolutely, brother. My condolences. That's how we, I think that might be our initial thought. But something else is going on. And what most folks believe is that the man's father had not died yet. If he had been, if he had literally died, he probably wouldn't be in this spot listening to Jesus because burials needed to happen very quickly in that culture. So he's probably more getting at, my father is close to death. I probably need to be close by and take care of those arrangements because that's my role in the family, right? That's probably more what it's getting at. Is that a bad thing to say? No. Is that, a, is that, is that something wrong to want to take care of one's ailing, aging parent? No. But what does Jesus say? Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. How are you feeling right now about this scripture? Jeff, I brought my neighbor out. Why are you using this passage? <laughs> Please use the one about love and just everything turns out great and how loving Jesus is. Why would you use this when my friend is here? Well, I'm sorry. 
because I read it and it challenged me and I try to give you what I'm going through sometimes, right? He wanted to follow Jesus, but not, just not yet, right? He knew it was good and that he should do it, but he felt there was a good reason why he couldn't do it now. So the first guy, maybe he was too quick to want to follow Jesus. Maybe this man was a little too slow. But what is, what is, what is he getting at here, I think, that's hard for us, is even your earthly family obligations need to take a subservient place to following Jesus. That's hard for us sometimes because we elevate family oftentimes before everything. And this is a tough teaching right here, but it's not unloving. I think Jesus is saying the message of the kingdom is about life and it's time to proclaim it, to go and tell. So much could be said, but uh, like I said, it's only have so much time this morning. What about this last person? Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, well, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. See, what I love about this part is Jesus is, you know, I think he said, look, man, I, this, there's an urgency of what I'm trying to do here, okay? And I think, again, this is something that I think many of us maybe have lost, this sense of the message, the proclamation needs to happen now. And, and he's, let me just go say goodbye. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this over my years, right, with people that want to follow Jesus. But then I, let me just go and you know, uh, maybe it's for a, a holiday season or so. Let me just go back to my friends, let them know what I'm doing in my life and not really thinking through what that means. You know, sometimes you can get pulled back into the old life really quickly. And Jesus tells this man, hey, man, you got to come now. Don't, don't, you got to focus. You got to keep your hand on the plow. You got to keep, keep your head forward because you can't plow looking back. You'd be all crooked, right? Crop, everything will be messed up, right? So, so how, how does that relate to you and I? Do we have our hand on the plow? Are we focused moving forward? Or do we let these other associations take us away from the mission, the going and telling, the witnessing, telling of the information, the proclamation of the kingdom of God? It ain't easy. No, these, but see, these are, all, I, these are all potentially new converts, right? New followers. So someone's been around them. Yeah, that's, that's, that's intense right there. But we've been around a long time. What about us? What about those of us that have been around for a while? I think there's a passage that I was reading. I have read probably, I don't even know how many times because it's really challenging me lately. And you know I got to put the glasses on. Yeah, I'm getting serious up in here. So open up your Bibles because there's too many words to put on here. This will be our last passage today. Luke chapter 10. So we've, we've, we've seen some things Jesus said to potentially new converts. And I think there, those are some, some challenging teachings and much more could be said. But when I was reading this, I was, I was kind of struck by the, the people that knew better. They knew, they knew all the scriptures. 
But man, it, sometimes in, in real life, things can get complicated. Luke 10, 25, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what, what is written in the law? How, how do you read it? Okay, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, you, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. So, so we asked Jesus, and well, who exactly is my neighbor? Oh, okay, well, let me tell you a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So, sir, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, well, go and do likewise. So when I read this, I, the people that have the, the most struggle in this particular episode of Jesus' life, one of the teacher who was an expert in all the scriptures, he struggled with this concept. And then in the story part, it's the priest and the Levite who seem to miss the way. So these are the ones that actually know the most Bible, but can seem to show the least amount of mercy and concern in the world around. And so I think that that's a challenge for us, that we've been around longer. Just because we know the Bible, it doesn't mean that it comes out in the way we view the world and treat people. And so I, th I do think we, we, need to, we need to be aware of that. And some of it, I think we, we sometimes maybe we fall into, hey, just come and see. I'm not, I'm not trying to, just like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a come and see Christian. And I'm just trying to help you. That's, that's not really the, the, the mode we're supposed to be in. We're supposed to be witnesses, go and tell, okay? 
And, and it, is, it, it is a high calling. And Jesus didn't shy away from expressing how high that calling was. And I think we've always got to keep ourselves in touch with just how high the calling is, not trying to make it burdensome. I don't think Jesus is trying to make anybody's life burdensome. He's trying to show them the way to true life. But when we know a lot of Bible, but we don't express a lot of mercy, I think these are the passages that we got to wake up on. And we can have, a, if you've been around, you've read the commentaries, I'm sure. Oh, well, the priest, if he thought it was a dead body, that meant that he, if he touched him, you know, he would have been ritually unclean and that would have taken him out of his services and he wouldn't have been able to serve, in the, you know, as a priest or even the Levite. There's a lot of, we, there's always great excuses, right, to not do things. I mean, I'm, I can make some awesome excuses. I got kids, they, I mean, I hear good excuses, you know what I'm saying? But I think what, what I want us to really see is that I appreciate how Jesus shifted things in this man's, in his heart and in his mind. Because what did the man ask? He asked, well, who is my neighbor? As if to say, let me go ahead and let me make sure I'm doing this right. Because I'm pretty sure I'm doing a good job of loving people, especially people that look like me, live near me, think like me. I think I'm doing pretty good, but let me just make sure I'm doing. So yeah, who exactly is my neighbor? Let me, put bar- let me put barriers around that definition so I can feel better about what I'm doing in my life. So help me, G- who exactly is my neighbor? And I appreciate how Jesus sometimes will shift your thinking. Even if you know all the Bible, you can quote it, everything. This guy could figure out out of all the commands, he could figure out the two that were the ones that needed to be focused. He was right. He got it right. But somehow, somehow, he, he couldn't figure out, wait a minute, it's not just about defining who or who isn't your neighbor. Jesus shifts the whole thing. And at the end, he says, he doesn't say, so who is your, no, he says, who was the neighbor? Don't just try to define who your neighbor is. You be the neighbor. You go be this person. Mercy. Disadvantage yourself to the advantage of somebody else. Took his donkey. Well, what did he do? He probably walked. Put this guy on his own donkey. Took money out of his pocket. I'm sure he was going somewhere too. I'm sure he was busy. I'm busy. If I told you my weekend, you'd probably think I was crazy. And if you told me yours, I'd be like, you crazy too. You were driving from Mableton, then you went back over here, then you went to Pebble Brook, then you went to, yeah, exactly. You crazy, Jeff. I know, I'm crazy busy. So are you, but that doesn't mean that we don't have enough time to show mercy because we believe we've been sent by God to proclaim who he is. So we got to work on our not just knowing scripture, but being that type of presence in this world sent out to show mercy on an unprecedented level, to be willing to give up finances, time, convenience, whatever, even his own safety. And the last thing is be careful about how you define who is good and who isn't and who's a neighbor and who's not. I love how Jesus slid that in too. Oh, you trying to make all kind of 
little category so your life can be perfectly neat and fit and fit into your nice religious box. Well, let me break it down for you. Let me help you with something. The hero of this story is the person you hate the most. It's your enemy, the Samaritan. And of course, every preacher tries to make up the worst type of person, right? Because we don't relate to the Jew-Samaritan problem. There's deep racial discord, right? So who is the Samaritan? I don't know. Because once I start naming somebody, you're going to get offended, right? <laughs> if I just name some people group, somebody in here go, why'd you pick that one, right? <laughs> so I don't know, whoever offends you, whatever their skin looks like, whatever their background is, whatever their education level, whatever their bank account, whatever it is that you just look at them and there's something visceral that happens when you see them. And you just look at them, you just, those, that, man, they just don't have it together. They're lower than me. They, they're just simply lower than me. Whoever that is, they got enough sense to show the mercy. But some of us, we're too busy. Too busy. Right? It's not, enough, it's not good enough to just come and see anymore. We got to go and tell. We got to get up out of here. And it, and, and it is about, that is the commission. The commission is to proclaim the kingdom of God, to preach about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. That's the commission. That's the number one role we have. But if we read our Bibles, as we're doing that, we should have mercy on the vulnerable people in this crazy world. We can't divorce the two. And I hope that we can be more well-rounded, right? And not just try to beat people over the head with Bible studies on how to become a Christian only, but also show them how to have compassion and care for those that are by the side of the road in need of just some material help. To me, that's the message of the kingdom. And I hope that we can be encouraged by this incredible story of mercy and let us leave here and be the type of neighbors that this world needs as we witness to who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that we can really reflect on Jesus' heart, his commissioning of all of us. God, help us not to be so comfortable or so busy that we fail to go out into this world and bring you glory. At this time, we're just grateful and privileged to be able to take the Lord's Supper, grateful for this bread, representing the body of Jesus. And this drink that we will have that represents the blood that he shed to save us from damnation, from eternal alienation and separation from you. We are grateful that he rose from the dead so that we know that after we breathe our last earthly breath, that we have the hope to be with you forever. And we celebrate that, we proclaim that, and I pray we can leave here eager to share that message with all whom we can. Pray in Christ's name, amen.